Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all, and welcome to our weekly episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, it's great to be back uh, with our live uh, broadcast. Uh, I was away for three weeks uh, for personal and professional reasons. So uh, it's fun to be back and uh, have a guest with me in the studio. I hope you all are enjoying a good start to 2018, both in your personal and professional life. I have a unique guest today. Uh, as you all know, usually my guests are entrepreneurs or people that work closely with entrepreneurs, such as business or life coaches. My guest today spent many years in, as an entrepreneur and in the entrepreneurship world. However, last year, he made a complete change into local politics public and public life. My guest is Jeff, Jeff Davison, Councillor Ward 6 for City of Calgary. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for uh, being my guest today, this chilly Calgary morning, uh, which I, I guess we're going to have a few more, according to the weatherman and uh, Groundhog. And so, uh, we're, we're, but we're in a warm studio. Um, let me share with our listeners a little bit of your bio sure. um, prior to becoming a city councillor. Uh, by the way, uh, just to let you know, I'm going to tackle a few city issues <laughs> during our Wonderful. show, which usually I don't uh, do, but now that I have a counselor, I have to ask some of those That's questions. Right. That's right. Um, you have a bachelor degree in communication mm -hmm. uh, from the University of Calgary, a diploma in broadcast journalism from Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, and recently... Uh, you took a strat uh, strategy program in marketing at the Johnson Graduate School of Management at Cornell University. I think that was last year. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you held uh, various exploration and communication roles with Canadian Nature, one of our biggest uh, oil and gas producers in Canada. Later, you served as vice president of marketing and communication for Poinet Corp. Yeah. And in 2012, you founded... LMNO Communication, uh, specializing in consulting companies on branding, communication, and product marketing. That's right. So far, I'm good, right? Yeah, that's right. You got <laughs> Our research is going that's right. well. Research <laughs> is paying off. <laughs> and in, uh, in addition, to, since this wasn't enough, uh, you co-founded a Calgary slash Los Angeles private media production company called Paper Movies. Correct. Um, it's good not to see your name in the news with what's all going on with Hollywood and all the names that are. I, I am far not famous <laughs> enough for that to happen yet. So. And you are married and have three kids. That's right. Eight, six, and two, you told me. Eight, six, and two, yes. Well, you have a long way to go. I sure do. <laughs> um, you know, when I uh, was doing uh, kind of preparing the questions and going through research and, and try to get some of your friends to share with me some bad stories, which they all protected you, you should appreciate your well, friends. Well, I'm paying them enough, so, you know. <laughs> but there's one question that really comes to mind, and I, I, I didn't make up my mind yet whether I should ask it now or at the end of the show, and maybe we'll ask it twice, now at the end of the show. Right, so I have the option of deferring so, to the yeah, end of the yeah, show. Yeah. So why? 
why did you decide that you want to deal with a headache and become a counselor, be in the public eye instead of continuing being an entrepreneur, doing your own stuff? You know, I get asked that question a lot and sometimes I, I come up with the conclusion, I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> uh, no, I think Calgary's a great city. Uh, for me, it really boils down to the fact that I've got two or three small kids and, uh, you know, I grew up here and I'm now representing the ward. In fact, I grew up in and, and currently live in uh, and really what it came down to to me is where we are in the economy with the state of uh, government, both locally, provincially, federally, uh, you know, we just have to do better. And for me, I want to make sure that my kids have opportunity here in Calgary, as I did, and, and you know, that we can grow that talent base here in Calgary and make Calgary a successful city again. So for your poster, it's nice, it's nice to talk about the kids' future. Basically, what I understood is you got fed up with the way the city is run. Yeah, fed up is part of it. I mean, I think, you know, you, you get to a point where you complain a lot and you sit around with your friends and all of a sudden somebody says, well, maybe you should run. And you think about, well, I should probably put uh, put my money where my mouth is and, and step in. I see. Uh, by the way, I just want to let you know, even though you're in a public eye in, in local politics, this uh, show is completely politically incorrect. So you can say whatever oh, you want. Oh, wonderful. Think. Perfect. Yeah. I'm sure that'll happen I'm going to say whatever so. I think, so you, you can do the same. It's good to know. Um, now that I shared some of your bio, but let's go back in, in time and then... Sure. You know, you're, you're, I understand you were born and raised here in Calgary. Yeah, that's uh, right. So growing up, uh, what kind of kid were you? What kind of kid was I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Probably my parents would say troublemaker. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was always kind of curious about many different things. And I think that's what, you know, has led me through the career I've actually had is that, you know, I, I don't like to settle down and do just one thing. And I think that's what's great about working at the city is that you, you focus on so many different issues all the time that it, it really keeps you interested in moving along and I see. Um, so, uh, you know, you've seen Calgary change uh, and now they're being a counselor. So from going back in time again, what do you kind of uh, miss from the old Calgary that you grew up in compared to today? Or maybe you don't miss anything. You're happy with what's going on. Yeah, that's a tough question. You know, I think the, uh, that's why they the pay me. The big thing, that's right. To yeah, ask tough obviously. Questions. Yeah, the tough questions come from you. No, I think the biggest thing I probably miss out of Calgary is that real sense of of local community. You know, Calgary used to be a very tight knit place. You know, it was the place you could rely on anybody to kind of give you the shirt off their back and 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 guide you through. And I think we've lost a little bit of that uh, that cohesiveness together. And I think we really have to get back to you know a collaborative approach of how do we move this city forward again. But what do you, is there, so that's the one thing you miss is that kind of sense of yeah, small Cal community? Calgary always had that small town feel, mm -hmm. you know, despite the size. And I think we've lost a little bit of that. And, and I remember that growing up. I think it was great. Um, you know, and I think we're starting to get that back. But I think we really need to, you know, get back to where that, so those that, roots were. Again, growing up, uh, the days that you grew up in Calgary, what kind of uh, activity were you involved in sports, in volunteering, and did you have a job after or a school to make some money? Was you, were you an entrepreneur over there? Well, I was an entrepreneur by the sense that uh, I tried to wait my parents out of their house. You know, I figured if they will eventually leave, if I keep hanging around, and then I can just you know <laughs> cruise on Easy Street. So that didn't work out very well. But no, I was yeah, I was always curious and and different types of business and, uh, you know, grew up. I wasn't, uh, you know, 
a crazy compassionate sports player. Um, you know, my secret is that I am probably one of the Ogilvy Calgarians who can't skate. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes two of us. But I have an excuse. Yeah, you I, have an excuse. I, yeah, yeah, I immigrated yeah. too old to. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll start talking with an accent too, and then people will believe that about me as well. Um, so, did you get a job as a teenager after school, making money, thinking about how to create businesses, or you just, you know, hung around? Yeah, well, in high school, I mean, I had the, you know, the grocery store type job after school and, you know, you always want to make money. I mean, my parents, uh, my dad worked for the city. He was a firefighter. He's retired now. He spent 34 years on the job. And so, you know, he was a, he's a hardworking guy and still is. Not like you. Not like me. You know, I got one of these lazy downtown jobs, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I grew up in that culture of, you know, if you're not moving, you're not making money. So I see. Uh, any... Um, in your uh, family, any kind of entrepreneurs, any siblings that are entrepreneurs or, you know? No, I, I'm kind of the one uh, the one out there doing it. The black so sheep? I'm the bit of the black sheep of the family, yeah. <laughs> I see. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that your friends would not cooperate with me, right? They won't tell me any bad stories, anything that I can share. Well, so. as I said, I'm paying them very well. <laughs> so what, what? But if I find someone that can really kind of share with me some of uh, your uh, you know, growing up time and, and university time, what kind of, uh, what, what do you think your friends will say about you behind your back? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I hope they all voted for me, so I really don't know. Well, those who uh, live in Ward 6, probably. <laughs> well, you know, you have the advantage when you're born and raised in a community and, and you go to be elected there that, you know, there's there's likely a few people that know a few things about you from your past that, you know, you want to keep quiet. But uh, fortunately, they've managed to uh, take the payoff. So. so what do you think they will say? What kind of, if I would go and ask, oh, hey, I need to talk with Jeff, I, I have some problem. What kind of a person is he? I think I'm very approachable. Uh, I like to have fun. Uh, and, and, and that's, you know, in everything I do. I just don't believe in doing anything in life that isn't fun. You know, why would you spend all of your time doing something you hate? So uh, maybe sometimes they would accuse me of wanting to have too much fun, like, you know, hey, let's have a serious business talk, but we should do it over a few shots at Jägermeister, you know, that type of thing. Um, how, that's how city council works? I wish. <laughs> I wish. You know, we'd have a lot more clear direction, I think, from city council with a few shots here and there. Hey, uh, you know what? We uh, we may donate the first uh, box or or for your uh, next uh, city meeting. If that will create clear clarity and, and right. make some decisions. Right. Uh, so you finish high school, and how wh- how did you decide that communication is where you want to kind of. Uh, you know, grow as, as a person? Well, oddly enough, I started right into oil and gas out of high school. Uh, you know, my mom's friend ha- was working at Canadian Natural at the time, got me a job as an assistant, and, uh, you know, quickly kind of ended up in a, uh, an exploration-type role, uh, which was never my strong suit in high school. I was never a, a science major, but found myself now in a, a more science-related job. And, uh, you know, always knew that communications was where I wanted to be. So while I was working there, went back to school and, you know, went down the path of going into broadcasting and then into communications. So, and uh, I always you, figured I'd sit on the other side of this uh, microphone asking the questions. You know, the hard questions that the world wants to know. <laughs> so, what are you saying? That it didn't work? <laughs> Your study? No, it didn't work. I got out of there. There was no money in that, so I went on to do a communications degree. I see. Uh, so there's no money in journalism. That's what you said. Well, you know, hey, it depends on the level of journalism. There's some very well-paid journalists out there. <laughs> 
So. No, the reason I'm asking you, my son, our son, our second son, is in university taking journalism. Yeah. So I guess I have to work. To yeah, we should probably working. put him into a, uh, you know, like a legal program or something, you know. So uh, did you have kind of a mentor or someone that kind of uh, helped you find your way through that uh, communication and uh, journalism world? Or it was just, you know, it came from within and you just went with it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think it kind of came from within, went with it. But uh, I have been fortunate just about in any position I have been in to, uh, you know, make great relationships and find that mentorship within. And so just about everywhere I've gone, I've found people that are, are you know, willing to kind of help you on that journey, which is why I've always approached it from the sense of, uh, you know, where can I get back to that journey to? Who's the next person that, you know, was me 20 years ago that, you know, needs some advice or needs, uh, needs some, some help through life? Um, did you try journalism or you didn't even try it? You decided that there's not enough, you know. No, I tried journalism. Ultimately, what I, when I went into journalism, it was because I wanted to get into documentary filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, in documentary filmmaking back then, we don't have the luxury of the streaming networks we have now where there's a lot more opportunity to distribute that type of content. Uh, and so quickly said, you know, Probably if I want to be taken a little bit more seriously in that world, I should have a degree behind that. So, you know, went and got the practical experience on how you do this and then went to get the theory behind it. So I'm putting a question from the future into the present. So the new company or the new venture that has that uh, paper movies is Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, closing a circle for you that you wanted to go to documentary film and now you're in the film industry? Well, Paper Movies was a a catalyst to say there's no money in documentary filmmaking. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Hollywood is probably your better bet. And so, you know, and, and, you know, I met a lot of great people, a lot of content leaders in that industry, uh, you know, have worked uh, fortunately with a number of folks on various different projects. And uh, all of those experiences are really what kind of culminated paper movies coming together. Um, we're getting very close to our first commercial break. And sure. I have a kind of an interesting question for you, I think maybe even loaded. But you worked for many years in the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of it was exploration, part of it is communication. Mm-hmm. This industry is going through really hell in the public eye. Yeah. And really, um, I, I, do you think we're losing the battle on, on public relationship? Do you think we're wrong with the way we deal with public relationship? What If you had today the job to help the oil and gas industry with your background in communication and journalism, what do you see that we're doing, we should do better, change, you know, I think the challenge for, you know, in particular, the oil and gas industry for a long time has been, that, you know, we, we've always been very focused on us as a company, us as a shareholders, uh, and, and how do we take care of that? We forgot along the way that the world changed and that social content became you know, part of the narrative that we need to tell. And that's really where I think the industry has failed. And now we're playing catch up. I mean, Canada, hands down, is the, you know, at the best at what we do. They're, we're the most environmentally responsible. We have the stringent, you know, the most stringent uh, regulations possible. Uh, and we don't get enough credit for the leadership role we play in it. But part of that is that we've got to change our own tune and tell that story better to the world. So in your opinion, we, we, we should do a better job telling the story. Absolutely. You know, and, and really start focusing on, you know, what is the social narrative that we also need to be talking about? Um, you know, what is the responsibility that we have in that industry to, uh, to do better? And what are those initiatives that we're taking on? Uh, 
you know, there is a way to change that conversation. We've just got to get a lot more nimble at it. Mm. Interesting. Um, so in 2009, you leave the oil industry and you join Poinet, uh, and that's at the middle or the, or the height of the recession. Yeah. That's a tough decision to move in the height of recession. It was an interesting time in 2009, uh, and a lot of the conversations that we'll probably talk about later in the show, uh, you know, coming up now, there's a lot of talk about how do we diversify Alberta's sectors. And back in 2009, we were having those talks, and it didn't seem to lead very far. And so, uh, you know, that was really the thing. You know, you could see the writing on the wall. Oil and gas is obviously up and down all the time. Uh, but what is it that we can put behind Alberta as a secondary industry? And so getting into the technology world was really a way for me to say, we can actually champion this industry. How do we do that? How do we work with the provincial government and the municipalities in order to build that sector here in Alberta? Um. We reached our first commercial break. <laughs> there's, nothing we can do. there's nothing we can do about it at the time. The clock is ticking. Uh, I encourage our listeners to open a new tab. Go to www.calgary.ca slash city council slash ward dash six slash and find more about Jeff, his activities as a city councillor. And we will meet you here at the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today... 
please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back with our guest, Jeff Davidson, City Councilor, Ward 6, City of Calgary. And uh, all my efforts to get a story about Jeff are like... Yeah, you are actively trying to yeah. get me in trouble here. And yes, these people yes. just are having none of it. Yeah, and, and all your friends are saying, nope, nope, no. So I guess... Um, this is what happens to, when you get into politics, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you've but I, make sure I, you I guess we this. have to dig deep now. And, and, and is your wife listening, by the way? <laughs> She she is somewhere uh, around, yes. <laughs> okay, let's go back to our show and talk about your entrepreneurship and entrepreneur life. Uh, in 2012, after um, many years in the oil and gas industry, then in the uh, with Pointnet, which is a wireless... Uh, yeah, Point Corporation, yeah, it was a mobile local yeah, search. Yeah, uh, you decided that it's time for you to own your own company and start your own company. So, um, were you just a sole owner at the time, or were you yeah. partners? Yeah. Uh, so... What made you recognize this is the right time or this is what you want to do to become an entrepreneur and own your own company? I think it was, you know, really kind of cross-sector. I had a lot of value I could add in terms of communications, investor relations, and marketing. And so went down a different path to rather than sort of, you know, pigeonhole myself into one sector. What are the things I want to be doing? So, you know, did work with publicly traded oil and gas companies, you know, some of the smaller ones, some of the mid-sized ones, um, got into uh, some global marketing efforts. And, uh, you know, it was great because you could just, you could do different things all the time. And that's really what I wanted to be working on. So uh, you sit there at point net and uh, you kind of uh, realize um, I want to go to a different path. Uh, did you prepare yourself a business plan, a mission, vision, or is just said, you know, I have so much experience in, all, in communication and branding and, and I, I know what I'm going to do and here's the new name of my new company and let's go. Yeah, well, a combination of both, really. I mean, you, you know, you've got to get the business plan together. You've got to figure out who are the contacts I want to go out to. How do you put yourself out there as a new business? All of those things. I mean, it's great to say, hey, I put up a website and named a company and then, you know, <laughs> hopefully you sit around waiting for the phone to ring. That's just not a reality out there anymore. So it was really about how do you network that company out there? How do you brand yourself and your company and how do you, how do you gain that clientele? So your priorities were at that time uh, good networking, uh, sending kind of a message to the world, the business world that, hey, I'm here uh, and I can do this for you. Um, share with us a little bit more on, on how it actively went. Well, I think, you know, when you start these things up, you rely on a lot of key relationships that you've made over the last you know, decade or two of time spent in, in multiple sectors, as anybody does. You know, when you start something up new, you kind of, you obviously have it in your head that you've got an idea and there's a need for something. And so you then want to talk to the people that you can leverage to help you make that something happen. How do you translate that into reality? You know, how do you get the quick wins, the low-hanging fruit to just get started and move and prove, you know, this is me and I can do this. So what at that time, what was the low-hanging fruit for you? Uh, I had, you know, there were back then a lot of technology companies in Calgary that were, you know, in a rough stage of startup. Um, you know, as we kind of talked before the break a little bit about trying to diversify, uh, well, Alberta's, uh, you know, industry, if you will, technology really kind of got 
shoved aside again once oil and gas started coming back up. And and to me, that's always just such a missed opportunity because we had a great uh, technology, uh, uh, I guess, a talent base here in Alberta that we really kind of let fall away to the U.S. or, or go to other jurisdictions. We haven't built out those schools that we need. How do you right. attract that talent? And so, you know, for the companies that were left here, uh, you know, there was certain certain pieces of expertise they were missing because they couldn't get it. And, and there wasn't a lot of people who had that technology experience here in, in Calgary. Um, I'm going to jump to another question that comes from your answer, and that is, uh, you know, a year ago, um, when oil was at the low 30s, Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole, you know, Alberta economy was talking about diversification, right? Yeah. Uh, now that oil is above 60 or 65, uh, do you see that the, uh, I would say, uh, focus of Alberta as a province and Calgary as a city is still to diversify? Or people start off, oh, oil is up, you know, maybe we should go back to having fun. Well, I think the the hard part with oil is that, you know, in Canada, we're always, well, or currently, I guess, feeling the differential push, right? You know, $100 oil or not, we are not making $100 a barrel in this province because we're not getting, you know, product to market properly, all the other issues that are going on in that. And so I think, you know, it's forced people to have a different uh, viewpoint this time of that oil and gas may rebound, but it won't rebound in the same way it once did. And so I think there's a lot of talk now about how we move that that needle again and how do we start to diversify sectors I'm you know one of the great things about taking this job is that I can now sit on the board of Calgary Economic Development and what they've been doing over the past little while is holding these big economic roundtables with you know what I call captains of industry you know you've got the CEOs of energy companies you've got the CEOs of tech companies pharma all those different kind of sectors that we have to get to get together to talk about how do we not make and continue to make the mistakes of the past and so, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're having a lot of those conversations now. But the problem we're going to have is that it's not just about talking about it. We were talking about this back in 2009. How do we move this now? How do we engage the strategy and, and deliver on the mandate? From the wall to the office, right? That's right. To, so um, going back to uh, your uh, startup as in 2012, um, I guess in 2012 you were not the first or the only communication company in the world. Not at all. Not at all. So what was your message? What was your message? Why would I hire Jeff Davison with his new company instead of guys that are already, you know, veterans in the industry of communication branding or or big big companies that are national and international? What was your message? I think, you know, what set me apart was just the breadth of uh, different experience I had. And so I could go into an oil and gas company that was publicly traded that had, you know, branding issues or communications issues or IR issues, sit down and get right to work because I understand fundamentally the industry itself. Same with technology. You know, when it came to technology, a lot of the challenges in communications weren't so much uh, on, on what you call quote unquote communications issues, but they were on marketing and branding issues, which I have global experience in. They were on uh, other issues on startup capital, things like that. How, you know, how do we go from where we are now to publicly traded? And, and you know, because I've taken companies public before, again, that kind of experience differentiated me from a lot of what was happening. Other than just, you know, uh, finding the first clients, what other challenges did you have uh, when you started your company? Well, I, I think, you know, in terms of 
in particular oil and gas, we talked a little bit about, you know, that social uh, content and that social push, um, just in terms of social responsibility, not necessarily social media. But I think some of the challenges for, for you know, the oil sector and, and where it's hard to break into those is that uh, they want to keep everything kind of close to the chest. You know, they, they don't want all the, you know, the information out mm-hmm. there in the public. They tend to take a very reactionary stance on on public messaging. And so trying to convince companies to move in a more proactive stance can be very challenging. Um, but you can get there. And there are a lot of leaders that have seen that happen. You know, they, they see the writing on the wall. They need to get to a different place. So ch- trying to change people's behavior or people's belief was It's always it? a challenge. <laughs> It's always a challenge. Just drive out there in Calgary today. And, and that's what you see today in the council as well? <laughs> well, you know, changing some behaviors on, on council can be a bit of a challenge as well, yes. <laughs> now, now, you mentioned that when I asked you about the beginning of uh, the comp- of your uh, company, you said that it was a little bit of a mixture of you know, business plan and some contacts mm-hmm. and some mission you have. But did you have some kind of a business coach or mentor that you kind of had to... You know, bounce ideas like a sounding board, or you were a lone wolf all the time. No, no. Like I say, I, I have been very fortunate throughout my career to make some great relationships and some great partnerships, and and have a lot of that higher level expertise. I would call it um, that I can rely on, that I can pick up the phone anytime and say, Hey, I know you're a busy guy or a busy gal. Can you take five minutes out of your day? I've got some questions, and so you know, you know, that's invaluable. You know, having those people you can rely on and say, look, you've been here, you've done this before. I'm thinking about this. Am I wrong? Am I right? What are the challenges I'm missing? You know, what do I need to know? How do I get there? How, how important is it for an entrepreneur to have this kind of uh, sounding board? It's critical. Critical. Because, you know, quickly, and, and the technology game will tell you that sometimes you wake up and you think you're in first place, but you're, you know, you're so far behind that you just, <laughs> it's not even rational in your head anymore, right? Um, and that game changes very, very quickly, and it continues to change very quickly. So, uh, you know, it's critical that you have those people you can rely on in industry, uh, or, or not. Sometimes not having um, an industry perspective is great. Just mm-hmm. a, biz- a sound business experience behind you saying, that's a bad idea, or have you thought this through you know that's where that value is so I guess you know having this uh, uh, your company uh, LMNO uh, communication yeah uh, n- named after my dog and kids oh okay yeah they were so, all you know we got to like Lucy me and Nate and then other because we didn't have the third kid yet <laughs> so we didn't know what to call them but um, and uh, but I guess that was not enough for you and your kind of, uh, you know, desire to be involved in the movie industry mm-hmm. came back uh, a few years ago. Yep. So share with us about paper movies. Well, paper movies is really, you know, back in 2012 had the experiment of can we create a comic book and sell it to Hollywood? Uh, you know, a lot of the content we're seeing today in television and film is all based on intellectual property, you know, whether that's a book, whether that's a blog, whether that's a comic book. And that having that underlying content is really key right now. And so uh, got involved with the movie Two Guns back then. And that was a successful sale when, you know, the studio made that film with Mark Wahlberg, Denzel Washington. It was a, you know, fairly successful film for them and thought, you know, can we do this more? And so got a great group of creators together and a great group of producers together to say, look, if we were to invest X in a company like this, can we generate content that we can then turn over to the studios to make as 
film, television, whatever it is. But for us, it was really about taking the production risk out of it because it's very difficult to go out there and raise $50 million to shoot your own Hollywood film. You know, but you can raise money to base that film on, you know, to own the content behind that film. So it's a partnership? It's a partnership, yes. And how involved are you? Because I see Calgary, Los Angeles, and I guess the movie industry is more in Los Angeles than in Calgary. Yeah, I'm, I'm involved mainly on the, you know, the fundraising side and on the content side. So, you know, uh, we've got a great content director who has been in the comic space for many, many years, very well known, uh, has had a lot of success. Um, and so, and then we've partnered a, a couple of producers into the company as well, who have also made a number of Hollywood features that really see this as a path to getting things into the studio system to make. So you come from your owning your own company uh, and yeah, no partners, you're the decision maker, you make all the decisions, now you're in a partnership. So how does that work? How does Who is responsible for what? How do you call the shots? How do you make decisions in well, a partnership? I think it's a lot like being at the city of Calgary. You know, a partnership <laughs> is, is one of those things that you have to recognize there's now other voices at the table and everybody brings a different kind of experience uh, to that table. And so really your job as any kind of leader or entrepreneur is to, you know, you've brought these people together for a reason and you hope that the value they've created is why they're there. And so you, you have to listen to them. You have to work together uh, because it'll make a much stronger company in the end, in my opinion. I see. So no uh, no arguments around the table. Everything is uh, unanimous. Always <laughs> arguments around the table. You know, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, really making the push to see, you know, from my perspective yes. and my experience, here's where I think, you know, the issues lie. And, but, you know, it's, it's up to everybody else in that partnership to also recognize that, well, you know, I don't have that experience. You know, he or she has that experience, and that's why they're here. How many partners are there? There's four of us. In this four group. of you. Yeah. And you're responsible, and one of your uh, responsibilities is raising funds. Yeah. So I deal with all the shareholders and everybody else. I see. And you have shareholders. So yeah. uh, in my life experience, the guy who's responsible for money makes all the, show, all the calls. <clears throat> well, I, I think, you know... At the end of the day, yes, I can always put my foot down and say, no, I'm not releasing funds to do that. Um, but, you know, I rely on the creative team to say, you know, where is Hollywood going? What do we need to be creating? What do we need to be driving? You know, but at the same time, rely on the medium we're creating content into. So if you're creating a comic book, for instance, you know, y you want to play into that audience as well as the downstream Hollywood effect. You know, because you don't win with, you know, trying to create a comic book specifically to be a movie. You know, it's, it's not that easy. So you rely on the comic book guys to say, look, no, I think we need to go in this direction. This is what the look is. This is what the feel has to be. But you also have to listen to the film guy saying, I can't sell that mm -hmm. or I can sell that because. And so for me, it really boils down to, okay, on an individual basis with each project we're doing, is the package there? Do we have a package we can put together that works across mediums? So, is there a movie right right now in the in the works? Yes, I see. Uh, can yeah. you share? Not at all. <laughs> you can't share any Not secrets. Not at all today. So, yeah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> But I'd be happy to come back and uh, we can talk more about that. I see. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we reached our second commercial break. Uh, you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Davis YYC. Sorry, Jeff Davison YYC and on Instagram, as well as connect with him on LinkedIn. We will be back following the commercials.
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back for the home stretch of our show, Taking Care of Business, with uh, my guest, Jeff Davidson, Counselor Ward 6, City of Calgary. So, Jeff, uh, you know, before I ask you a few questions on on, the, on our city, mm-hmm. um, were you involved in any vol- community volunteering during the period of, you know, having your own company and starting the uh, Calgary Los Angeles paper movies? Yeah, I've been uh, I've sat on Stampede Promotions Committee for about the last 10, 12 years. So you know, what my focus is on that committee is really being active in the community at a lot of you know larger events. So we've got a couple of mobile sound stages that we take out and put on entertainment for all kinds of different community things. How important is it for an entrepreneur that is busy, you know, running his business, trying to get clients, trying to satisfy clients, making the bank happy, to be also involved and spend some time on the volunteering community kind of support? Well, I think that's kind of what has led me to to being on council now, is it's really about what kind of city do we want to live in and build together. And so the volunteering aspect of, you know, what one does is is critically important to building community. It's, you know, and, and for me, giving back, you know, like I said, I've had a lot of people help me along the way. And, you know, I want to try and help as many of those people as I can as well. So it's just a, it's a way to just kind of give back to the community. Uh, You know, somebody's doing something nice for me. I want to do something nice for them. Uh, Any other kind of uh, boards or volunteering you are involved or just the Stampede board? Uh, For a time, I sat on the the board of directors for the Missing Children's Society of Canada, spent two years on that board uh, to help them grow their board really in a more national sense. Uh, and stepped off that board. Geez, I can't remember what year now, but you know, really, it was about uh, a national organization that uh, only had a local footprint, and so it was really about growing that across Canada and, and getting that awareness out there. And that helped. Uh, my job was to, to help basically bring in uh, people that could add value from across Canada and, and bring their voice to the table. So we go to the point that I have a few questions for you about our city. Excellent. And some of those questions came from people that knew that you're going to be on my show. It's all going to be about snow plowing. And, yeah, it's not about the uh, snow routes. Um, (laughs) And 
the first question that comes to, to mind, and that was from, from, from Fabrizio, my friend Fabrizio, is uh, are we going to get a new arena? Well, I, I think it's got to make economic sense. You know, we need to kind of look at it a bit more uh, long term. But, you know, the reality is, is we've got to change the conversation on this. You know, there's a lot of economic and social value to having a new arena here in Calgary. But we've got to be able to change the conversation from this whole millions for billionaires type talk. Um, you know, I think during the election, a lot of misconceptions came out of, and it became a politicized issue that really shouldn't have been. Uh, for me, when we talk about an arena, it's got to make economic sense. And I believe it would make economic sense. It's just a question of now, how do we put a deal together? Where does an arena go? Because there's multiple areas in the city that would be a good fit for this. Uh, and what does that all come together and look like? You know, so... Well, let me challenge. Let me kind of uh, put my perspective as a as a city, uh, you know, someone who enjoys the city or uh, uh, hockey and, mm-hmm. and and someone who likes to go to concerts. I can't go to concerts in Calgary That's because right. Justin Timberlake is going to, to Edmonton. Edmonton, yeah. And every good performer doesn't come here because we have a lousy place and nobody yep. can perform here. So. Well, and that's what I mean about that long-term economic look. You know, it's not just about a hockey team. This is about, you know, a venue for the community that can be utilized for things, concerts, other other shows, trade shows, hockey, all of those things. You know, what again, what kind of facility can we build that makes sound economic sense? We have, we're, what, 48 hours before the Winter Olympics starts? Correct. And our mayor is landing in Seoul in a mm-hmm. few hours, or already landed. If not already. Yeah. Um, so where where does uh, city council stand on the Olympics? Let me rephrase the question. Sure. What do you remember for the 1988 Olympics? I think I remember being about uh, eight years old or ten years old, and it was uh, it was one hell of a show. Um, you know, I think that the one thing I remember from the Olympics, and and you know. Really, the, the the committee I sit on with Stampede now actually was formed basically during the Olympics because, it, you know, we had to enact 2,000 plus volunteers to make the games work back then. And we did it. Mm-hmm. You know, what I remember is Calgary coming together and putting on a world-class show. And for a 10-year-old to remember that, you know, there's a lot of value there. You know, since then... I remember almost the last 30 years of every single day saying, you know, looking at something that identified with the Olympics, being around something that identified with the Olympics, or talking to somebody about, hey, well, do you remember that Olympics? I mean, the long-term economic and social impact was there. Two movies. Two movies. Right. As well. Eddie the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle. And the Jamaican team, right? Cool Runnings. Yeah. So going now moving now back to our time and mm-hmm. we're beating for the 2026 or maybe we'll beat for the 2026 if i look at the history of calgary yeah. calgary in 1988 was 550,000 people yeah. calgary in before 1988 was not on the world map no um we are now struggling through, you know, uh, a recession here because of the oil and gas. We're talking diversification. We're talking about, and, and everything is going, okay, how much does it cost? Well, sometimes you have to look at the long term yeah. and divide that cost into the next 50 years. What we'll gain if we have, if we'll host the next Olympics. So where do you guys stand on the seat? On, well, on, 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 or where do you stand? Sorry, well, personally, where do you stand? I, I think council is very divided right now. And I think the city is also very divided because, again, I think we've done a very poor job at 
you know, communicating the actual facts of what this brings. There's a lot of discussion out there. Oh, the IOC is corrupt. This is going to cost us billions. We don't have the money. The reality is, is we do. Um, the reality is, is we can make this happen, but we can't make it happen without the other, uh, you know, the provincial and federal government coming to the table as well. The big thing we have to consider is that, you know, yes, there are more games now, like in terms of events that actually happen within. Um, the population is bigger. Security is obviously a huge concern with events of this scale. But for me, I really boil it down to the long-term economic impact, uh, you know, because I believe the value is there and the return will be there on the investment if we can make it. Now, we've got to make it smart and we've got to be able to manage it, but it really boils down to what's our appetite for risk? You know, an 88 Calgary was not on the global map. That put us on there. We're facing a very similar economic time as we did. You know, if you cut back to now 1981, when the bid committee back then was looking at, you know, can we put Calgary on the map with a bid and can we form a bid co? We're almost in an identical economic situation. Um, and I think, you know, for Calgary, we can put ourselves back on the map. We can, you know, re-add to the narrative that, um, this is a, 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 you know, a world-class city, but we've got to be able to do that on a bigger event. Um, the, the big thing we have to, to look at, in my opinion, is, is, and this is kind of one of those things I want to change in the public persona, is that if you look at places like Toronto or Edmonton or people that are going to host FIFA this year, a lot of people say, well, you know, Calgary doesn't have the money and I don't want my federal tax dollars going into this event. Well, your federal tax dollars are already going into events. You know, FIFA will happen in Toronto, I believe Montreal and, and Edmonton, per se. They're going to get that economic uplift from that mm -hmm. investment. To me, it boils down to we need that economic impact. Toronto has not been affected like Calgary has. Frankly, Edmonton hasn't been affected as Calgary has. You know, for us, we really need to consider where that money is going to be placed. It's going to get placed somewhere. So why not bring it home? Why not take this event and run with it? Do you think, you know, going back, the, the biggest story on the 98 Olympics was that Calgary has uh, proven to be a volunteer city, that mm -hmm. the amount of volunteers that were almost every person volunteered to do something during the That's Olympics. Right. So do you think, going back to where you st we started with our, my second question about what do you miss from Calgary, mm -hmm. do you think that a new Olympic kind of uh, focus and a new Olympic games here will bring back that? community sense uh, to Calgary as a big city now, not 550, but over a million and a quarter? Yeah, I mean, that's the big challenge. You know, I think, you know, legacy really plays into it. And, you know, if you cut back to 1988, a lot of the people that would have volunteered back then are, you know, 30 years down the road. And so they're probably not in a position as they once were, uh, you know, to get out and be as active. Uh, but that's going to be the challenge. You know, Calgary really won that and made it profitable because of the volunteers. And if we can't sort of recreate that this time, you know, that's where we'll, I think we'll run into a bit of, you know, cost overture. Um, the next question I have has to do with public art. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to mention what's done in the past. I'm sure. going to talk about yep. a few, ask you about the future. Um, the only thing that I want to mention in the past is that uh, some of the uh, public art that is in kind of debate, I would say, uh, was made by artists not from here. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm a big supporter of public art. I think it adds to the city, to the culture, to, the, to, to everything. And you feel well when you see our public art. But do you think we have to say, okay, this is our money, this is our tax dollars that we pay for the public art, we should use local artists. Well, local can be 
Calgarian, can be a regional, can be a province, or can be Canadian, mm-hmm. but not someone from Europe that brings me, you know, which one I'm talking about, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think our policy really has to change. And I think, uh, you know, again, we go back to what kind of Calgary do we want to build together? And what are the things that attract people to our city? Uh, what are the things that retain people? And, and part of that is having a great culture. And so, you know, public art absolutely has a place in this city. Where I think public art up until this point has failed is on execution. Because I agree. I think that, you know, we have somehow confused public art with roadway beautification. And they're two very different things. To me, you don't enjoy art doing, you know, going past it at, you know, 80 miles an hour type of thing. You know, the idea... 80 miles, it's against the law. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's how we drive here. So... um, uh, you know, and so it, the reality is, is how do we how do we get back to a more structured approach of being, I, I agree, local, uh, cost effective and interactive, in my opinion, you know, because uh, looking at art on the side of a road, just you don't you don't appreciate the art. You don't have a conversation. And that's really the point of art. You know, you don't have to love it, but you're going to have a, you'll have a conversation about it and, and you'll think about it. So can we look at doing things differently where we take this 1% of infrastructure dollars and, you know, build a park nearby? How do we keep the, you know, the art itself local? How do we, you know, how do we make it engaging for the public? Uh, and so it's those types of, uh, of uh, action items that I think we need to change in order to make that work. How many councillors are going to Halifax? Oh, well, in my opinion, too many. <laughs> well, we it's are, seven now. So the mayor and We're in tough times. Mm-hmm. Uh, economy, economy is not doing well. Yeah. Other councillors like to travel. Well, you know, like I say, I approach things from a very uh, pragmatic business perspective. You know, right now, you know, if you're a company and there's a big conference, uh, you know, unless you're a sales group that needs to be there, you're sending a couple of representatives. They go out there and they come back. To me... You know, putting this forward was not about the money at all. And frankly, it's not even about how many people we send there. It's about setting the leadership tone at the top and saying, if we're going out to our roughly 20,000 employees and contractors that we have here at the city of Calgary saying, do more for less, you know, we're all cutting back. If leadership isn't willing to do the same, (laughs) even with the small things, you know, I fail to see how we build that new culture together. I have a, the last question comes from John Mook. Uh, My good friend John Mook, yeah. yeah He's going to uh, ask about taxes or... So, yeah, so the city announced that uh, because of what happened to our downtown core with the vacancies, they're going to reduce the property tax for city core for the downtown, yeah. but they're going to move it to suburbia, yeah. to suburban properties. Uh, does that... Does it solve the problem or just move the problem to another area and creates a, a big onus on other business people that are now in suburban to, you know, to pay bills that are higher than what they expected, or what they, they, they were kind of uh, accounting for? And is this is the solution? No, I don't think it's a solution. I think, you know, we've, we've managed to push the problem out into the outlying communities and not really solve the fundamental of what's happening in the core here. Um, you know, at a time when we have just about every business in this city struggling uh, to stay alive, you know, we've now pushed this incredible tax burden out to them. And so, you know, the trickle-down effect is, is going to happen there. Um, there's other ways we can solve this problem, you know, looking at our, our, our growth overlay strategies and things like that can help. 
um, you know, where we can, we've got an incredible opportunity on the industrial land side of things, for instance. You know, why are we not doing more there? To me, looking at the Amazons of the world that are coming here and setting up shop in Balzac and Calgary standing there saying, well, this is a win for the region. Well, it's a win for the region, absolutely, but it's a total failure for the city. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, that's a, a group, of, a, a massive facility that we're not going to collect the taxes off of, that we're not incentivizing to put our people to work. Um, and so we've got to get better at doing that. And, and probably that industrial sector is where we can land. Well, don't go with me on the land, on the land holdings the city has. The city is the biggest landlord and this sh- it shouldn't be your business. That's right. <laughs> yeah. no, uh, but that's another, yeah. we probably need another hour. Yeah, we'll need that. another hour to just talk about that. And I have a feeling John will want to phone in. Yeah, so we're, we're getting to the end of our show and, and it was a real interesting journey that you uh, went through. So any mistakes or regrets along the way that you recommend someone else don't do this? Lots of mistakes, lots of regrets, but at the end of the day, you learn from those mistakes and regrets and and, and you turn them into wins. Well, what's the one mistake that you remember that you did and you learned from? Not going to law school. Should have gone to law school. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have so many lawyers as friends. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I see. Um, that was kind of your kind of one of your... No, I, th- I think, you know, no, not a serious regret, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm happy with the path I've taken. You know, I'm fortunate to have met a lot of people along the way. Um, you know, I wish, in hindsight, I would have pushed harder back in t- 2009 to make that technology sector really take off because I think we'd be so much further along here uh, as a sector in Alberta. But we're getting there. Yeah. And, you know, the tone has changed. And sometimes you have to see other factors come to the table before the tone really, you know, is willing to move in a different direction. So you're now a mentor. And I'm a new entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What are the two good pieces of advice you want to share with me that you have the experience and you've noticed in your career that you can help me kind of shorten the way to success or not make mistakes? Yeah, you know, I guess ultimately what differentiates you from everybody else in the market doing what you're doing and, and uh, you know, where does your value lie? Who's your audience? You know, know those two things. Because they're, they're the critical components of, of any successful business. You need to know what it is you offer and, and how you're going to get it into the hands of the people that you want. Whether that's a B2B business, a B2C business, it doesn't matter. Um, one last question sure. before we have to close the show. Uh, what did you learn about yourself through this journey? What did I learn about myself through this journey? That an hour goes really fast and I, could, <laughs> I guess I can talk a lot about myself. So, uh, no, I mean, it's great. It, you know, it's you sometimes go back and you think about where did I come from and where did I get to and you need to remember those small things along the way to to somehow you know take you on the next stage of of life and so it's important to kind of just reflect once in a while and say hey what were the lessons I remember from that (laughs) quickly what keeps you awake at night and not your two-year-old I was gonna say my two-year-old other than your two-year-old what keeps me awake at night you know, I, Alberta's economy, it does really kind of keep me awake at night. You know, we've really got to be, we've, we've got to pay attention because uh, this train's going to run away on us if we don't take control of it. Jeff, uh, we've reached the end of today's uh, episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, I want to thank you very much for, uh, you know, joining us and, and sharing all your uh, stories and journey with us. Um, we wish you all the success and luck as a city councillor for Ward 6. Uh, I know it's a new job for you and 
Honestly, all the best. Uh, next week, my guest is going to share with us his story, immigrating from Austria to Canada and the road, the road to his success. My guest will be Hannes Kovac, CEO and President of Opus Corporation. I would like to thank our dedicated engineer, Aaron, and Cassandra, our production uh, public relationship manager. Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate the growing support by our listeners. Uh, I would love to hear back from you uh, at dvwallach at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll meet you here at www.voiceamerica.com slash variety next Tuesday, February 13th, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.